Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. The Coffee Clash and Special Needs Talk Radio Network feature outstanding programming for the special needs community. Our team of hosts provide educational interviews. Our shows are not designed to provide listeners with specific or personal medical, legal, or professional service or advice. Parents of children with health issues should always consult their health care provider for medical advice, medications, or treatment. Any show discussing rights and law for special needs children and special education are presented as general information and not legal advice. Special Needs Coffee Clash Limited does not promote any hosts or guests' individual practice, programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview. Hi, Ellen. Hi, I'm sorry. I, for some reason, it wasn't letting me go through, and then I tried again, and it was. So. Well, I'm glad you're here in the studio. I ha- we have, uh, you know, I know that the producers will edit out the dead air. I was, I was winging it with process, talking about processing and processing speed. I already introduced you briefly, but so why don't you tell okay. us just a little bit about yourself? You know, you're, I know that you're the director of the Learning and Emotional Assessment Program at Massachusetts General Hospital. So why don't you just tell us about yourself a little bit? Well, I am a um, child psychologist who specializes in pediatric neuropsychology. And, and within that, that really means that I just specialize in assessing kids. And within that area, my, my real area of interest is in learning disabilities, ADHD, developmental disabilities, like, um, for instance, autism, spectrum disorders. And so one, um, one of the things I do is uh, direct the program at uh, Massachusetts General Hospital, the Learning and Emotional Assessment Program. But I'm also very interested in researching some of these topics as well, which is one of the reasons why I got so interested in processing speed was because I just saw a lot of kids who had many different kinds of um, diagnosable disorders who had problems with processing speed. So that, that really, it was my clinical interest that got me interested in this topic. Yeah, it's so funny. We're, we're kind of uh, kindred spirits in, in many respects, I think, because I read your first book, Straight Talk About Psychological Testing for Kids, which I have referred to many times. And I think that you and I probably have logged in lots of testing time over the years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me that. Uh, but a lot also, of reports uh, that were written. Yeah. Yeah, and also, our, our, oh, I have about five to write today. Yeah. Uh, uh, the bane of our existence. And you know, it's also my the program. I, my program is called the Cooper Learning Center. Originally, we were called Leap. I think I told you that we were the Learning yeah. Enrichment and Assessment Program, also within a hospital, Cooper University Hospital. So it's very interesting that your program is called Leap. I know, and That's we thought right. we were so original when we came up with, I know. This, with this name. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. So, you know, this, I, this idea of processing, I hate, one of the things that I, I, you know, I think it's a term that parents toss around a lot. And, oh, my child has a processing problem. And half the time, frankly, I honestly don't even know what they mean. And can you help us yeah, with that? Totally and, and, oh, and also, I would like to also, as an extension of that, I know – Something, some, the WISC, the Wexler Intelligence Scale for Children, it's called the WISC out there, mm-hmm. the public, um, 
you know, they have a, sub, a, a domain called processing speed, which I think is a misnomer, but we'll, we'll talk chat about that. So help us with understanding processing better. Well, that, that is, you bring up a couple of good points. One, one is that parents often bring this up, and so do teachers. And I think it's, it's not a very well-defined term, and because a lot of times people are talking about things like auditory processing or just processing within the classroom some various kinds of uh, ways of uh, learning that teachers may just use that term. Um, so... In, in the book, what we really talk about is processing speed is just being how long it takes a child or a person to get something done. So, and we talk about it in terms of its neurological underpinnings, which may be too complicated to get into right now. But basically, um, we're talking about the length of time it takes somebody, not necessarily, um, for instance, auditory processing, which is, is something that audiologists, a term that audiologists um, use, and, and uh, they diagnose that kind of problem. So it, we're using processing speed in this book fairly generally, although the, when we look at the kids in our sample um, who have slow processing speed, we're primarily looking at those kids who have slow processing speed on the whisk. So, and, and that really means visual motor processing speed, how long it takes them to perceive something, to see it, and then react to it either by writing something or by checking something off. However, I mean, there are other neuropsychological tests that we use, and pretty much any test that is timed can be used as a measure of how fast someone processes something. So even a page of math problems, for example, or how quickly someone can read are, can all be used as a measure of processing speed. So it, it's, it's a pretty general term, and part of the reason why people like you, even you and I have trouble defining it is because the research on it is really not at a level where it is for other areas of neurological functioning, like working memory, for example. So it, we're having trouble with it because it's, it's a very complicated um, construct, and there isn't a lot of research on it to help us define it. So since the, since the, you may have missed my little introduction at the beginning as you were coming into the studio, um, you, you, you know, I talked about how this, the goal of, this, of School Struggles is to talk about this in plain language, that we're really re trying to, you know, very down to earth terms what you're doing. So help us even further understand, since it is a complicated construct, simplify it in, in the way that, how is processing speed literally measured on a test like the Wechsler, the WISC scales? How, what, what, are, what are these processing speed tests? Well, two of them are, and, and you can help me out here too if, if, if uh, this doesn't make sense, but one of the tests that we find is the most sensitive is called coding. And what the child has to do is he has to look at a, a series of numbers and shapes that match each number so the, the Number one may have a, a like a, for instance, a, a horizontal line. Number two may have a diagonal line, for example. And they have to then look at the bottom of the page, and there are boxes with numbers in the top parts, but they're empty in the bottom parts, and they have to, as quickly as they can, sort of crack that code. They have to copy the code, the, the symbol that matches that number as quickly as they can. So that's one kind of test, and we do find that that correlates pretty highly, even with a child's ability to quickly do a worksheet of math problems, copy notes from the board. So it's a really simple test, but it does have a lot of correlational um, data that shows that it, it's, it's pretty, a pretty 
good measure of trying to figure out how quickly a child can get through things in the classroom. Another kind of test is where a child has to look at two different shapes and then, or two, two different um, target symbols and then look in a group of symbols and decide is one of these matching or one of them not. So um, I hope that describes it well. It's, kind yeah, of, no, no, it's, it's a hard little well, thing to know, describe. Yeah. Um, and then an, another kind of processing suite test on the whisk is where you just have to cross out all the animals on a page. For example, there's a whole, if you can, somebody can imagine a whole page full of little icons, and there are animals on there and lots of other different sorts of things, and a child has to just cross out as many animals as they can in, in 45 seconds. And again, that's, that's a pretty, you know, it, it, it's, it's a, a measure of kind of how quickly they can just perceive something and react to it. Um, and it's, you know, it's a pretty gross measure, but, it's, but it still gives us an, an idea of how quickly their brain is processing, both visually and then how quickly they can do a motor response to that. Yeah, you know, those are really good descriptors. And, you know, just, for, just to piggyback on that, parents, these are, these are tests that are highly, they're timed under this strict time limit tasks. And one of the things I tell parents, which I'm not sure how you feel about it, Ellen, is that these are what I call paper and pencil processing mm -hmm. speed tests, which I hope that the, the new whisk is coming out in the fall. My guess is they're not going to change the name of it, but it, it would be nice if they called it something like that, like paper and yeah. pencil processing speed, so that there isn't this kind of misunderstanding. Because even, even though I've written it in the report, I'll still have parents come back and say, oh, I see he has a processing deficit. Uh, you know, he's only in the seventh percentile. Uh, you know, he must not listen very well. And I'm like, well, the test didn't involve any yeah. listening. You know, there's, it's all paper and pencil that's involved. It is. It is. And, and that's, the, that's the difficult thing to describe, too, and is that processing speed isn't just one sense. So something like coding, it looks at our ability to kind of perceive something visually and then respond to it rhetorically, but it doesn't really get at all at our auditory processing, how quickly we can hear something or how quickly we can respond to a question. Um, we do kind of, you know, when looking at our sample at, at our clinic, we do kind of feel like a lot of times kids who do poorly on the WISC also have other kinds of slower processing speed on other kinds of tasks, but not all of them do. And, you know, many kids can be slow on these paper and pencil tasks and be a whiz on the soccer field or be very quick-witted verbally. So it's, it's tough. Every, I really feel like this is one of those things where every child is really individual. And just because they have slow processing speed on the WISC does not mean that they're like every other child with slow processing speed on the WISC. I'll say things like, I'll say things like, look, your child has this low processing speed. I think he's not going to be an emergency room doctor. How about that? That's exactly yeah. what I say. I'll, I'll say, they'll say, well, what kind of jobs can they do? I said, well, maybe within medicine they could be a great radiologist but not a right. good ER right. doctor. Right. Or, you know, so an emergency it, room doctor he's not going to be. That's and right. They get it, and they get, you know, what's nice is the parents get that right away. Even the child gets it. I said, boy, you're not going to be an emergency room doctor. He goes, oh, no, I'm really slow, aren't I? You know, and it's like when you put it into those kind of terms and not make it like it's this, you know, brain damage or disorder, it's just, it's okay, you're slow on these. It's, these are clerical speed tests. You probably don't copy from the board very well, do you? No, I really hate that. You know, I'm sure you use, yeah. you use other kind of imagery like that. I do. And, and you know what I also tell parents is that I really feel like you know, we've, we've always had kids like this, you know, throughout history. And, and right. I feel like 
like the world needs kids like this. I mean, it's it's not even that it's it's necessarily a deficit, but what is the thing we all complain about? The world is going too fast. Things are just right. so rote, and and these are the kinds of kids who actually take time to really think about things. They're not sort of the kid who just loves to do all of those worksheets and that kind of rote sort of learning. They're the sort of child who oftentimes thinks out of the box, um, especially kids with with strong cognitive skills in other areas. So I, I feel like we're really doing these kids a disservice by not just, you know, by not valuing their whole cognitive profile because I do think they have something to offer. They're just out of sync with our current educational system and our current world. Well, and, and I, I'm sure I, I sense you're going to piggyback on this as well, that, you know, I, I talk about it in, in my book, School Struggles. I call it WBD, Worksheet Burnout Disorder. <laughs> That's right. And, yeah, you know, I, mean, I see these poor kids coming in with stacks of these things, and, you know, the parents say, well, look, he can't keep, you know, you know and, and the, first of all, the, sheet, the worksheets are dreadful to begin with, and they're kind of like kryptonite to the kids. Um, but I, I would think that for kids with what you're describing in your book, bright kids who can't keep up, uh, that, you know, that worksheets in particular are a real problem for them. Would, would, what do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. That is, that is probably the, the top of the pyramid of the difficult things for them. And then as they get older, it's the number of um, different things they have to keep track of. For example, you know, when I was in high school, we had just a, a textbook for every class. No one has a textbook anymore. They have all these different sheets. So I think it goes from worksheets to all of these different, you know, in history class, they may have 50 different articles to keep track of over a semester. And, um, you know, they're, they're having, at some of the high schools around here, uh, every teacher has their own website. So they have to check in on, you know, eight different websites a night. So they go, they, they worksheets become this sort of, uh, overwhelming sense of I have so many things to keep track of that I, I yeah. can't even start. Yeah, I really feel bad for kids with that stuff. And, and then, and, and, you know, when was the last time that a kid came home and said, Mom, I got a really great worksheet today. I'm so excited. <laughs> I know. I know. And a lot of the learning that goes on that's supposed to happen with the work- worksheets doesn't happen. So I, I find a lot of times that, the, that you know, worksheets, I, I'm sure they, they do have their place. And they, um, they're, if they're used to sort of give kids a little more practice in something that they've already learned, what I find is, and this is even as a parent, what I find is that oftentimes the learning never even took place. And maybe that's even more um, particular for kids who are kind of slower at copying things down from the board, for example, that when it comes time then to practice that on these worksheets that are already sort of marginally good for learning, um, it can be just absolutely unbearable for them and for parents, too. I just find that that's just it, – it's right. the bane of yeah, my parents' I, existence. I, I agree that they have their place, but it's, it's the amount that I, that I'm, that I find. And, and there's so much of the, the stuff on the page. What, what, um, what other uh, – in the second part of our interview, our interview is going to be divided into two different portions. In the second part, we're going to talk about ways you know, to approach these kids and treatment – issues, but it, still staying on, you know, some of the signs and symptoms. Um, along with this paper and pencil processing speed, what else do you see either, you know, in the classroom or at home with these kind of kids? What are some other things to look for? 
Well, some of the things we, we need to, I don't think we've really talked about yet, is verbal processing. So a right. lot of kids have trouble either um, listening and, and understanding what people are saying, not understanding at a deep level, but understanding at a quick level, um, or have trouble organizing their thoughts and getting it out. So those, those are kids who um, have trouble, like, understanding directions, they don't seem to follow instructions, they can become overwhelmed when people are talking too fast or there's too much going on in the classroom. And they're the kids who, when you ask them a question, they need more time to answer. And, and they need time, and they may come up with a fantastic answer to the question, but they just need time to, to think about it and to organize what it is they want to say. And they, they tend to be the kinds of kids that even when they know the right answer, they're hesitant to answer the question because they're just not sure they really got it. And when on different sorts of tests, what we find with these kids is if we give them, for example, a letter of the alphabet and ask them to tell us how many words they can think of that start with a particular letter, they have trouble even doing that or tell me as many animals as you can or as many pieces of furniture as you can in a minute. So there are different kinds of processing speed tests that get at that too. And those are the kids who tend to have problems then within the classroom or even within home. Um, like for instance, even at the breakfast table, you know, a mom says or dad says, uh, what do you want for breakfast? And they're the kinds of kids who just sit there for a while like, oh, I, you know, and, and you know, mom wants to say, it's just Cheerios or, or, or rice checks today. Yeah. You only have two choices. But they still have trouble sort of getting through the question, understanding, you know, sort of this is the beginning of the day. I've got to make some decisions. I've got to get with the program. Um, and then I think we talked about motoric um, processing, you know, as being something that's for the most part being paper and pencil tasks. If for some kids it can also be sort of slow at at running or, or um, you know, being able to, to quickly respond to a ball that's coming at them. But for the most part, that's not what we're talking about. And all of this in terms of how this relates to academics is that it can relate to any area of academics, math fluency, meaning how quickly we can sort of do math problems, um, reading, how fast we can take notes in class, um, how fast we can sort of express ourselves in writing or come up with a, a topic and then be able to say, these are the points I want to cover in this. So, and, and those kind of kids oftentimes become distracted in class. Not all of them, though, have ADHD. Some of them are just distracted because they've just kind of lost track of what's going on or they, they lost the ability to act when it was time to act, and so they look sort of like they're inattentive when they're really just, you know, having tr their, their attention, their pure attention is good, but they're just having trouble sort of keeping up with the pace of the classroom. Yeah, you know, it's, it's there's so, boy, there's so much that you, that tri that you, when you were talking, triggered so many images in my mind of kids that I've seen in situations that come up. And, it, you know, there's, there's so much there that we can kind of branch off into. Oh, I know. Um, but you know, so, um, as a from a parent point of view, I could hear somebody saying, "Well, why does it have to be when you say fast? Why?" It, 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 I think that in some ways, it's not as much that it's fast pace as a lot of these kids have. They're, they're inefficient. Is that a good way to think about it? It is, and you know what? It's so funny that you bring up the fast because even when we were trying to come up with a good title for the book, it's really hard to come up with a label mm -hmm. that describes it. So inefficient right. is a good way of saying it, but then um, sometimes people think, well, inefficient means 
it, it comes up with a different connotation, but that's a, a, there's, that's a really good way of saying that they're just not, they're, they're, yeah, they're not efficient at being able to either, let's say, if they're hearing a question, not efficient at sort of organizing what is it that someone's asking me to do, or in getting ready for school in the morning, they're not necessarily efficient at knowing I need to do this, I need to do that. And that's why one of the best things to do for these kids, and I know we're, we'll talk about that later, but um, is to get them organized and to get a system for them to help them learn what is the most efficient system. Um, but you, you also asked a, another question about, did you say uh, how, why this is such a big issue for parents? Did, did I? Well, it, yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. Um, because, I, you know, this just, for me, out of all the kids, and I don't know what it, this is like for you, but almost out of all the kids I assess, the area that I hear parents get frustrated with the most is this area. And it's also the area that I tend to hear parents use the word lazy. So, so when you were saying, you know, being efficient, kind of the opposite of that sometimes is what we might, you know, or parents might think of as, as not efficient is lazy, and it's mm-hmm. so not true. But I feel like it's it's so easy to get into a power struggle with this, or with with a child, or just to feel like your child's not really trying. And if you kind of, I like your idea about efficiency because if you kind of think of someone who just doesn't, you know, is in the is in the kitchen trying to cook something, but they don't have all the materials that they need, and they're, you know, running around the kitchen or even just running around the neighborhood trying to get the the uh, ingredients. You can see that they're trying, but they're not really getting the meal cooked. And I Look, think that yeah. that might be a way of kind of thinking about these kids. They're trying, but they're all over the place. And so when it comes time to actually measuring what they did, they may not have ever finished because the ways that they were trying to get it done were inefficient. Yeah, these, these kids can be, if we're being fully honest, these, about these kids can be frustrating. I mean, they, they, like I notice it in the testing where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm never going to get out of this assessment. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm going to have to check my email. I have a, you know, I start questioning my life. I start thinking about why did I ever enter this profession because, it, it, you know, you know what I mean? So I could, you know, and I think that that emotion is a good one for me to notice because it's also one that when I say to the parent, but I bet you that you get frustrated with uh, little Johnny here pretty well, and the parent, oh, my God, yes. You know, yeah. because, and then, the, you know, you can imagine that this kid is poking around and, you know, he's not getting out the door, and, you know, and everybody's yelling at him, we told you to get moving, and you're, you're step one and we're on step ten, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's constant with these parents. I mean, it's just yeah. it's a constant thing. And you're right. They are the kids I do, I, you know, they're, they're the kids who you, when, when you're with them, it does, it, there's something nice about being with someone who is at a slow pace, yeah. but also, you're right, there are times when you're like, uh, I'm never going to get out of here. Oh, and then at the end you, of the day, when you, you let them just take a look at the prize box, it can, you know, it should take 30 right. seconds, can take right. 10 minutes. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I should get this one. Maybe I should get that one. <laughs> Um, and and right. I can self-disclose here, too. I have a son who is now 20 who is very much like this, who was evaluated by one of my colleagues early on, who also has this, this profile. So I really, from a, a professional and a parent level, and he's okay with me talking about this now, um, it, that it is a frustrating kind of thing. It's, it's, 
every single day homework takes longer. Every single day it takes longer to get out the door. And, um, and you know, one other thing to mention is that medication doesn't always work for these kids either. So it's, you know, parents will often ask me, well, what if we, you know, could we try a stimulant medication? And, and it doesn't, especially for the kids who aren't really ADHD and have this profile, there's not a lot you can do to really speed them up. Well, um, and, he, and here's, here's an interesting, focusing on your son for a second, and by the way, I have never done a workshop in my entire career where I haven't mentioned my son in one, <laughs> shape, one way or another, so I might as well throw that into the ring too. But, um, you know, what, I'm, what it strikes me is even though you and I um, have not met, and, you know, I sense that you're a pretty rapid processor. I mean, you're, you're, you, don't, you, know, you're no, you don't speak slowly. You're, you're an enthusiastic talker. And sometimes there's a difference of style between the child with, a, like, your son, and, and I could see sometimes with parents and the child a clashing of styles around these processing issues. Oh, we, that is such a good point, and it's something that we do bring up in the book. We spend a, really a whole chapter talking about the match between the parent and the child, and you are so right. I am a fast processor, and my son <laughs> yeah. is, we are just diametrically opposed. And Right, my kid will go, must you talk so much? Why do you talk so much? What, they're mind-boggled by the amount of words that seem to come out of my yes, life. Yes, and, and now he'll use this. I mean, Mom, you wrote a book on this. You just asked me three questions in a row. I didn't even answer the first one yet. I I now I have no excuse for not following my own advice at home, but it is such a I mean there's so there's that kind of dyad between and there's of course in a family it's more than just a dyad but between fast mom and slower child, but then sometimes in in families it's slow mom and slow child and that has a whole different sort of um, appearance you know everybody's slow they're always you know it's the family who's the last one to get to you know the the choir concert or whatever. And and then there's also, um, you know, siblings in the household where one is faster and one is slower, and that has a whole kind of connotation and a whole kind of difficulty within the family. So it gets very complicated. Yeah, but it, it is, really does. I, it's, it's important to kind of know that, even if you don't always act on it, to know that, you know what, I am not the same speed as my kid, or my child has the same thing that I do, and here's what helped me when I knew that I was sort of a slow processor, now that I look back on it, you know, well, yeah. the look, you know, he's just like me, and and um, and that's also another thing in those sorts of families to be able to say, um, you know, I turned out just fine, you know, my child will right. too. So I think the only advantage that adults really have over kids <laughs> is that we have we we have a little more of a reflection wisdom gene in us, so we could kind of like you do what you just said. Like if I know that I'm a rapid talker with a child or if I know, or my own child and I could reflect a bit and say, you know what, I really need to turn my RPMs down and I could adjust. Whereas a child, I don't know what age that kicks in, but it certainly didn't kick in, you know, it doesn't kick in much before 21, I can tell you that. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so an, adult, an adult can really be reflective and kind of think about how they're coming across to the person on the other side. Yes, that's exactly right. And, you know, I, I would add to this, too, that some, something that I tell parents, because they will ask, what will my child ever be able to do? He's at the seventh percentile in this. And um, just like you were saying that adults have that 
um, advantage over kids. I also think as we age, we pick situations that are more in line with our processing speed. So as a child <laughs> grows, that gets, it gets better and better for them if they're aware that this is not a good situation for me in, in terms of picking a good college or picking right. a career. Within careers, within every field, there are areas that demand faster processing or slower. And there, there are definitely jobs where having a slower processing speed is a benefit. So, um, so I think that best, that's yeah. – yeah. No, sorry, so that's a great that, point. That's a great point about the jobs and matching yourself and your and your major in college, that kind of thing. I, I mean, I think people naturally gravitate to this strength, but that's just a great point. It really yeah, is. Yeah, they, they, they do I hopefully naturally gravitate toward their strength. But, you know, sometimes kids are pushed into the college yeah. situation that just really isn't doesn't fit for them or isn't, you know, where they would do better in sort of a slower-paced kind of liberal yeah. arts sort of um, major and, and it, it's different for every child. It's, I wish I could just say that this is the kind of school that works best for all of these kids, and unfortunately, that's not the case. But I think being able to really be thoughtful about that is, is helpful. Ellen, yeah. boy, so much great information. Before we end this segment, um, can you briefly comment on so many? I think that it, to me it's a fall to diagnosis ADHD. You got the diagnosis ADD, ADHD. I mean, it's such a fall to diagnosis from my point of view. Mm-hmm. I, and I would think that so many of these kids are too, too quickly labeled that when they may be what you're describing more so. I think you're exactly right, and that's why for a lot of these kids who just have this processing speed kind of deficit, medication doesn't work. So that's why I think that a more thorough evaluation for kids who have ADHD or are thought to, or you know, it's a rule-out diagnosis, can be very helpful because um, it's if diagnosing ADHD in the context of just an office visit, especially really more so for kids who have more the predominantly inattentive type of ADHD, which sometimes people refer to as ADD. Those are the sorts of kids that I feel like it's a little bit harder to really figure out, is it really pure attention that we're talking about, or is it more complicated than that? And and we found in our own study, we, we really thought that there was going to be almost a, a complete overlap between kids with slow processing speed and kids with um, inattentive subtype ADHD, and we found that that's not the case at all, that these kids are sort of distinct, and, and it, it crosses diagnoses, but it's not one and the same. So I think for kids for whom it's not clear if it's an attention issue or particularly those who maybe parents don't want to try medication to begin with, I think a more thorough evaluation like the kinds that you and I do, not that either of us need more business, but it's, I think can be very helpful in that. Yeah, that's so. great. Great, great information. I want to thank Ellen. This is part one of, of two parts. So Ellen, Dr. Ellen Bratton is the author, co-author of the book Bright Kids Who Can't Keep Up. And I, this is a book that I am recommending a lot to my patients now. I have it on my desk, and I show it to patients. They're taking photos of it, you know, the cover. So, so it's, a, it's a really nice – and I also liked her first book, Straight Talk About Psychological Testing for Kids. It's a very down-to-earth uh, overview of testing, which I hope we could talk briefly about in the next in the next portion of the uh, interview. So, Ellen, before I wrap up this segment, can you just tell people how to get a hold of you or where you know website or any of that kind of stuff? 
Um, well, uh, probably the best thing to do is um, to uh, www.mdh.org, and within that, if you look up the LEAP program, L-E-A-P, I also have another website called um, mentalhealthandchild.com, and um, there's another website affiliated with MGH called pathstodream.org. Thanks. And I want to thank people for listening to this segment and hope you you enjoyed. And visit uh, my website, www.shutdownlearner.com, as well as thecoffeeclatch.com. Uh, on both of those sites, it's loaded with lots of information for, for parents with, you know, for, uh, around a range of topics around their child's issues. So thank you for listening. And Ellen's going to stay on the line, and we'll get back into segment two in a little bit. Thank you, Ellen. You're welcome.